You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast 193. David is here. I'm here. And uh, let's do this thing. I go to CES. Got a, not a lot of stories, but it was cool. Check it out. And it is tech fan number 193, Tim Robertson, that's me, David Cohen, that's him. Hey, David. Yay, I'm I missed, on. I missed you last week. Yeah, no, I, it, was, it was a bummer, but um, unfortunately, I just got I got snowballed at work. You know how it goes sometimes. Yeah, talking about snowballed, it's the weather where I'm at right now back here in uh, Michigan is crazy. Uh, there's actually, I think they said, a 60-car pileup on uh, I-94 right now, possible fatalities um a friend of julie's posted a video from her in the car stuck in it on facebook and uh man it there's just a lot of snow a lot of cars um in the ditch on the side of the road crash semis jackknifed and you could just barely see one of the trucks on fire so it's terrible it's not good but unfortunately sometimes we get bad weather and people don't slow down yeah, you know, it, it, it's not like anybody f- that's from around Michigan doesn't know that this happens every year, and it just seems like people forget. And I had to drive through pretty bad weather last Saturday to the Detroit airport to make my way to Las Vegas. And I saw probably 10 cars in ditches and about four accidents on the way to the airport. It's about an hour and hour and 45 minutes. So... Yeah, well, you know, I, I know from bitter personal experience that you can hit extreme weather and all of a sudden you, you lose control of the car. Um, and, uh, you know, we had the rollover accident and I broke my back and all of that sort of thing. And, you know, we, but the thing is, the thing is, there isn't until we hit that ice, we had no idea it was there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there was no opportunity to slow down to adjust for the weather. But uh, the problem, one of the problem with modern cars is that because they're so insulated you feel so safe in them you end up um assuming the car will get you out of trouble and sometimes it won't well the difference though i mean yours was kind of a surprise thing that it happened to you guys you didn't know yeah. that that was even coming here it's yeah. been snowing we we haven't had t- school in two days julie's upstairs with the kids right now trying to keep them quiet so we can do the show because it's just too bitterly cold right now it's negative 20 degrees with the wind chill so it's too cold to take the kids out um, so she's, you know, going to try to keep them upstairs quietly, but this weather has been here for a week. These drivers should know better. Yeah. Slow down. And if you don't have to be on the highway, you don't have to be out going somewhere, then don't. It drives me yeah. crazy. But, we have the technology but now the, the, to know. Yeah. But, but also as well, you know, I've seen in, in bad snowy weather here, you get people in SUVs and four wheel drives driving like, like like the weather's perfectly normal because they think oh i'm in an suv i've got four-wheel drive that means i'm invulnerable no you aren't yeah and guess what if you start to slide in a car like that it's going to be a lot worse than in a smaller car because you've got more mass yep so uh yeah you know that that's the thing and and of course as well with truck drivers trucks are very difficult to drive in the snow 
So your connection isn't the greatest right now. You keep breaking up a little bit. You want to drop out for a second and I'll bring you back in or just give me a call back? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let me, let me try and do that. Okay. Well, David does that real quick. We'll, uh, continue here on tech fan. Like I said, I was, uh, I had to drive to Detroit and, well, is David still there? Nope. He dropped off. So I had to drive to Detroit, and the reason I had to do that was I attended um, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, CES. And for those who uh, listen to OWC Radio, um, I had planned on doing some interviews, and I only got one in the bag. It just it really wasn't possible to do another one. It happens sometimes, but uh, that show is actually going to be a week later than the normal because OWC came out with a real cool new technology I wanted to talk to, but the person I need to talk to can't do it until Monday. So OWC is uh, going to be late just a little bit, OWC Radio. And I hope you listen to that because the technology is really, really cool. And um, the person who helped develop it is going to be on the next OWC Radio to talk about. It's called Transwarp. So make sure you subscribe to OWC Radio and you will uh, hear me from the CES as well as an interview. You back, David? I'm back. Awesome. So, yeah, I went to uh, CES. Uh, I arrived Saturday. My job was to oversee construction of the booth on Sunday and Monday, and then attend the first day of the show on Tuesday, and then fly out 6 a.m. on Wednesday. So, so I'm no, I've never been to CES, but I have been to conferences in Las Vegas before. So, is where was your booth located? Is it in, in a hotel or is it in the Las Vegas Conference Center? It was in the Las Vegas Conference Center. We were in uh, Hall 3. Right. Okay. So for those so, who have never been, CES is just... Yeah, look, a lot of people have gone to Mac... You've been to Macworld. I've been to Macworld yeah. many, many times. Uh, you can't even compare the two. CES is so much bigger. And well, Macworld, Macworld is is kind of, I mean, at its heyday, it filled one, maybe one and a half halls. At no, in its heyday, it filled both halls, uh, south and north, as well as uh, the underground thing going between the two. And it had all the conferences in the West Hall. So at, even, at its height, it was at, busy. Yeah. But even then, it no. was only probably, what, 15, 20% of how big CES is? Oh, if that. I mean, CES is just... It's just massive. The scale of it, you cannot see everything. It's it's simply not possible. Even if you're there early and you leave late, you cannot see everything. Because it's not just in the conference centers. It's in different hotels. And within those hotels, they have rooms set up where companies come in and they call them hospitality suites. Where you go into that room and... Uh, they'll pitch you the stuff and show you the stuff. Like on my floor alone in the hotel that I stayed at, which was a hotel slash casino called uh, Westgate, just on my floor alone, there was four places that I could have gone, four rooms. Yeah. One of them was Mad Cats, which was like three rooms down from me. I really wanted to go, but the time they were open, I was actually working the booth, so I never got to go. <laughs> yeah. But But I got to walk through the north, the central, and the south halls to get to our booth, which is a long, long walk. And uh, I started, you know, I've talked about on the show before, David, about my heel, the problem yeah. that I was having. It flared up really bad. Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't, I didn't do much walking around. I didn't see a whole lot of the show, but from what I did see, it was pretty cool. But yeah, it's just, it's too big to see everything. But it, mm -hmm. man, there's some really cool stuff that I did see there. Um, 
but I don't want to make this episode all about CES because you know neither you or I really. I was there, but I wasn't covering the event. I, I didn't go to a whole bunch of booths and yeah. talk to a bunch of people. There's, there was a couple of things I saw in the coverage that kind of intrigued me. Um, there's, I mean, we, we've been we've been looking at these these very cheap devices of late here on the show. You were looking at the Kindle um, the, and the Kindle Fire, uh, the, sorry, the Fire tablets as they're called now. And um, you mean inexpensive, been, not cheap. Inexpensive, yes. <laughs> sorry, um, cheap has a negative and, connotation to it. That. Yeah. And and I mentioned that I was looking at that H that I have that HP Stream Seven tablet, the Windows tablet. Right now, I saw that HP released um, effectively a desktop versions of those products at CES, which is kind of a little puck. It's probably about double the size of a Mac Mini in terms of height. It's not a Mac Mini of an Apple TV, uh, and it's full computer um, that you just plug in. And and again, it's very very reasonably priced, less than. Uh, around about $170, something like that. Uh, and I, I find that very interesting because we've talked and talked for a long time about the commoditization of computing uh, and the way, you know, that, that things are coming down in price that, that, that makes them easier for people to use. You've been looking at the Chromebook as well, which is all part of that same kind of movement. I find it very interesting that, that we're finally getting away from these form factors where you had to have a big desktop tower um, or an expensive laptop in order to, to use a computer. And now you can get something that, let's face it, for an awful lot of people, less than $200 is, 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 is not exactly chump change, but it's not a huge money amount of money to spend either. So I, I find that interesting. And the other thing that, that I kind of like the look of was these, um, you, you've been, you were playing with that, um, uh, we had that review from, from one of the listeners of the Amazon Fire TV stick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who was that? That was wasn't his name Tim. He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim Clark. Tim Clark. So, um, so Intel have also released basically uh, the same kind of concept, but again, it's a full PC on an HDMI stick. Interesting. So you just plug it straight to HDMI port and um, wireless keyboard and mouse and USB for power, and then you've got a full PC with an SSD and everything on a on effectively a Chrome Chrome stick, a Chromecast type size stick. And again, I find that sort of stuff interesting as well. All right, there's a there's a lot of focus that I've noticed in the pre, in the tech coverage about upcoming laptops that weren't cheap, that weren't inexpensive, and I think that that's interesting too, David. In that there is a huge push towards inexpensive, small. Um, I don't want to say one trick pony because they do more, but focused products. But I'm also starting to see the PC market starting to put some more effort into higher end laptops. I think that's interesting. Is it is it time that people start looking at upgrading their non-Mac laptops to something better, more expensive? You think that's gonna be a trend that we're gonna see in 2015 that, hey, I, I've had this cheap laptop for two years, it's, it's really junky, it's just not doing the job for me like I would like it to. I'm gonna spend, you know, $1,200 and get, uh, you know, an, a new Asus laptop or an HP or whatever. Do you think that that's going to be kind of the resurgence of the more expensive desktop is now the time? Well, I, I think, I think the manufacturers are desperately frightened that Apple is taking the high end laptop market away from them. Well, they're not, they're not they're, They are, they did take it away. I mean, they did exactly when it I comes to high end desktop and laptop, Apple owns what seventy percent, eighty percent of that market. Yeah. Anything that's yeah. over a thousand bucks 
80% of those purchases or 70%, I forget the exact figure now, is an Apple product. That's got to scare the crap out of companies like HP. You can't keep sure. racing to the bottom. This was exactly what happened to the cell phone industry. That's why it was a dismal failure for a long time until Apple came out with the iPhone. And the iPhone was a premium product that people were willing to pay money for. The same thing has been happening in computers. It's just more of a slow burn. But it's obvious that Apple is taking that market. And the PC manufacturers that can make very good hardware, they need to step it up. They need to have high-end, um, non-expensive, you know what I mean? They, they, have to, they have to cost some money because they're high-end with great screens, great cases. Uh, and you can't just load it up with bloatware and crapware. No. Because if you're going to pay think, that premium yeah. price, you can't do that. I, I saw some very interesting designs from Dell, um, some very interesting designs from HP. Uh, the new Lenovo X1 Carbon mm -hmm. looks fabulous. It looks like um, a really nice computer. Yeah, yeah. But so but there's, there's two aspects of that. Yes, the, the hardware manufacturers have got to protect their business, but I think also Microsoft, you can see the hand of Microsoft in this as well. Microsoft is now at the point where for a, a low-end machine, they're giving away Windows. They're yep. basically bundling it for, for nothing. Now... If they want to retain a base for Windows, and they are desperate to recover from from the uh, disappointment that Windows 8 has been, um, they need to have a wide range of machines on the market, and that includes high-end machines. And I, I think finally manufacturers are starting to realize that you can't just charge a lot for a machine that's thin and light. It needs to be designed well. It needs to be integrated well. It'll be interesting to see how good some of these machines are when they actually appear. I did hear some complaints. I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, and they were saying, "Oh yeah, you know, you can buy this uh, this machine with with an i5 in it, and it starts at, at twelve hundred dollars, um, but then they've got one at fourteen hundred that has a like a four K screen, and it's just like, why would you want a four K screen in a laptop? Windows eight doesn't even support four K properly. No." Nope. And again, it's you, you, you. Then you start to worry because you think, oh, there's another manufacturer just kind of designing by spec rather than designing by design. You can argue the toss all you want about the design choices that Apple makes in its machines, in the, particularly in the laptops. Uh, and many people have criticised them in the past and continue to criticise them for uh, few, you know, less number of ports and. and uh, thinness for the sake of thinness rather when in fact you might, might want more battery life or whatever uh, but the point is at least they've made those decisions for a reason yeah. they, they've actually planned and designed around those decisions and whether you like or, or, or disagree with their decisions at least they thought about it what they haven't done normally is kind of gone well here's a part and here's another part and here's another part and let's all jam it together and then put it in a nice case and then sell it for $1,500 now what um, I did see at CES David that is intriguing to me anyways and again I didn't have the time to go over and actually explore some of this technology but I saw a lot of companies promoting HomeKit. Now that's the Apple hardware that's kind of opening them up, opening up uh, for both macOS and iOS, being able to control devices through your computer and your mobile platforms. A lot of it, it was just a simple plug. You put, you plug a lamp into this, and then you can adjust the brightness or turn it on and off with your phone, which I think is important. But this is just the very first step. This is just the first round of products that are coming out using this technology. Google has their own thing going too. Yeah. I wonder 
is that the next big thing in technology in your opinion do you want the smart connected home look we've we've been, I, it's been yeah. promised for years and years and it's just never yeah. happened is this the I, time I, where it's going to yeah. start i th- i think it will come in by stealth i don't see it being a big launch and i don't think it will sudden hit uh, it um, it's possible that someone will kind of invent the must-have products that kind of brings it in um and and kind of makes everyone start using it but i I don't see it working like that i think it will be over time more devices will support this by default and then you'll find that you can integrate them using this technology so it's going to be a slow burn i i I reckon so. Uh, I think I think people will need to come around to it. I, I, have, I must admit, I found it interesting. My um, my electric car has because it has telematics in it and it has a um, a GPS modem in it. I can do things like I can turn on the heater remotely using my smartphone. Yeah. And I use that an awful lot. I really do. I, I often get up in the morning and I go and have a shower, and then before I start getting dressed, I turn the heater on so that when I come down 15 minutes later, the car is warm, and um, when you do stuff like that you start to appreciate the utility of it and i actually uh, had a discussion with my wife the other day we are we're going to be moving to a new house in march it's a brand new house uh, and my mother-in-law is going to be living with us she's uh, has some disabilities and so she's going to have to live with us and i actually said i said to i said to my wife i said maybe when we move in we should fit one of those um those google nest thermometers uh thermostats because i said uh, if we're not at home and she is, she, she, she's blind, so she can't see very well. I said, and and she wants the heat adjusting. We'll be able to do it remotely without uh, without asking her to do it. And also, as well, I didn't say this, but also she had, she has a tendency to turn the heat up far too far. Well, that's always uh, and the case you, with older people. Yes. Uh, yeah, and then but then you can turn it back down again remotely. Yeah. <laughs> you keep an eye on it, um, and so I've never thought about using a product like that before. But now that I've kind of started to become accustomed to it with the car i'm thinking well i can see a use case for that and i suspect that's how it'll be that over time more devices your maybe your refrigerator your um heating system other things in your house will start having this functionality you know just kind of built in by default and then you can make use of it i the thing with the plugs and the lights is to me i've never i've never really got the real use of that because I did if, if it was if, inexpensive, if, but they have never been yeah. inexpensive. I know people well, use the the was the X two or I don't remember yeah. what it's called. But what I I mean maybe we should ask going about this. I think he's played with this stuff before. Yeah, but, but for the me, stuff he's always you, uses that you know that really old the X something platform yeah. and you got to program stuff and blah. Nobody wants I, I, to do that. That's the thing. I don't think that I don't think people want to program no. stuff. They don't want to design. They don't want to make it so the house looks occupied at night. They're not overly interested in that. The thing the thing for me with lights is is that I've never quite got that. If you're in a room, you tend to turn the light on. The light switches are normally fairly conveniently located. Yeah. And when you leave a room, you tend to turn the lights off. I've never really seen the value in able to be able to sit on the couch and do it with a smartphone, really. Um, so I, I, to me, lights is less of a – and maybe that's one of the reasons it's not been so successful is, is less of a compelling proposition than something you actually do need to kind of adjust and control and has an impact, like your heating system, like your uh, appliances. I mean, to for, for anyone who cooks, to be able to remotely control your, your oven – um, so that you can put something in there in the morning and have it start cooking middle of the afternoon so it's ready when you come home from work. Those sort of things are, are probably more interesting. I'm looking at the what you were talking about earlier, and I completely missed this, to be honest with you. Uh, Intel's computer stick is a full Windows or Linux PC and an HDMI dongle. 
Is that what you were talking about? It's the one, yeah. You know, I'm looking at the specs. <clears throat> I might buy one of these. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here, this is exactly what it is. Um, the micro USB port used for power, a small power button, and a full-size USB port for use with peripherals or hubs are lined up on the left side of the stick, while a micro SD card slot for expansion on the right side. It will come in two different flavors, a Windows 8.1 version with 2 gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of storage for 149 bucks, and a Linux version with 1 gig of RAM, 8 gigs of storage for around $89. Intel says that Ubuntu will probably be the distribution of choice for the Linux version. Um, both sticks come with a quad-core Bay Trail Atom Z3735F Bluetooth 4.0. And a 2.4 gigahertz uh, 802.11n Wi-Fi should be available in March. I mean, that is kind of a it's it's a it's a heck of a machine for to fit into a tiny little. It's amazing. Like Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's amazing. Now here's here's where it gets interesting for me, David. Now obviously this is designed to kind of plug into a TV, and then you have you know kind of a inexpensive media center probably best suited for streaming rather than storage right yeah. Yeah. what if you built a laptop around this mm-hmm. in that you have a, a slot in the side of the laptop that when you you push this thing into it yep and all of a sudden to upgrade your laptop you just get a different stick yeah yeah i mean that's that's pretty impressive and I, I think that there's a there could be a really good future in that for a lot of people. I think yeah. I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I I I thought it was pretty cool. Company I work um, for is actually coming out with something that you were uh, you said you were interested in. Oh yeah, yeah the uh, the USB three uh, SSD drive. Yeah, OWC OWC launched at the show. Yeah, I was I, wearing I, one around my neck. Wow! Yeah, they're yeah. they're small, tiny. They're they're built really well. They they feel. It, people thought thought it was just a USB stick, yeah. with, with some flash memory in it. It's not. It's an actual so, SSD. 128 gig SSD with yep. the sort of write speeds you'd expect from a good performance SSD. Right, and it, uh, it has a Sandforce controller in it, so you can yeah. literally boot and run your computer off of this. See, see that. And for me, as a as a MacBook Air owner, that's pretty much a perfect device because um, I know I could open up my MacBook Air and replace the SSD in it, uh, and then take the one that's in there out and put that in an enclosure on the side. And I know that OWC does a pro- product for doing that, but I really don't want to go to all that effort. Sure, I don't want to take take my my MacBook Air apart to change the SSD. But the thing is, what I do need is I, I have a 128 gig SSD in there. It would be great to have more storage. Um, and I've used USB sticks in the past. I've used external drives in the past, but all of that is, feels clunky on a MacBook Air. Yeah. But to be able to just slide something in the side and basically effectively double the double the SSD size for the same sort of performance, um, that I'm I'm very much interested in that. And I think your the the product's not expensively priced either for what it is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing with it some more myself. It's it's it looked pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that was really close to the OWC booth when I was there. Um, they were called the XI3 Corporation. So if you go to XI3.com, you can actually see it. And I was looking at this thing. It's called the Piston Console. It's really small. It fits into your in the palm of your hand. It's got an AMD Trinity processor quad-core up to 3.2 gigahertz. 
um, 8 gigs of RAM, 128 gig SSD, and, it, and you can configure it to however you want, but it's not inexpensive. It's, it's actually quite expensive. But, yeah. you know, I was looking at this and I was like, it would be, I think it would be awesome for a, a little gaming machine, you know? Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and to be honest, it, it looks really cool in person. Um, but, I mean, bullet grade it, aluminum. Yeah, it's great that we are now seeing manufacturers innovate in the PC space. It's fantastic. It used to be, it used to be, uh, you either got a desktop tower or you bought a Mac Mini, <laughs> and that was pretty much your options. This is this is going to be the savior for Microsoft. I think it's going to be smaller companies like this, or it's going to be Intel coming up with innovative new HDMI sticks that have a computer built right into it. That's the future yeah. for Windows. They need to stop worrying about. We need to build a cell phone that rivals the iPhone. We need to build a tablet that takes on the iPad. Go into the markets that Apple's not in or nobody else is in and conquer those markets because I think that there's a huge demand for these kind of things. If not right now, it's coming. As soon as yeah. you see something like this and you see the performance, you're going to want one. You're going to you're going to come up with reasons why you could use it. A media center, a game center, a third computer in the bedroom. I mean, there's all kinds of functionality uh, use cases for smaller computers, and I this is I, maybe that's the story of the CES and everyone's missing the the tiny subcompact computer. This is where it all really starts, and Apple doesn't compete anywhere in there. No, nope. you can't even say the Mac Mini because it's it's not a it's not a tiny computer. It really isn't. No, so. I mean it's coming something when when really the Mac Mini is one of the larger computers you can buy nowadays for right. desktop. Absolutely, it doesn't have a monitor built in. It, it seems gargantuan when you put it next to, especially this little HDMI stick from Intel. I mean, yeah. and, and I'm totally going to buy one. I mean, 149 bucks. Why not? Absolutely. I yeah. I only wish my iMac had an HDMI import so I could use it as a monitor. So I could switch over to yeah. that and then just use my iMac screen and keyboard and mouse, and it, it's a Windows computer. Yeah, but to be fair, I mean, you can pick up a monitor with HDMI in for, you know, a decent monitor. Bucks. For, but yeah, for not very much money. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and you can use that. Uh, all right, then then you're, you're, you're spending a, a fair amount of money on that PC if you count the stick and the monitor, but you can use the monitor for other things as well. So um, I tell you, you haven't lived until you've taken a games console and instead of plugging it into your TV, you've actually plugged it into a really good desktop monitor uh, yep. and played games that way right in front of you. It is fabulous. I have mine on a actually on a 21-inch um, professional-grade CRT at home um, that I, 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 somebody, I, I was buying something else from somebody off eBay and they kind of threw it in for free because they wanted to rid of it i went to pick it up and they said well do you want to take this as well because this thing's so large i need to get rid of it and it, it weighs you know crt's that size particularly the professional ones weigh a ton yep. it's so heavy but it has a completely flat flat screen it was designed for graphics professionals and it has every single input you can think of and the advantage of crt over lcd is that uh, for fast moving graphics like games yeah, it's brilliant. It's much, you, much better than L, much, much better than LCD. Something really cool that happened to me in Vegas. I was uh, at the OWC booth, and a guy comes up and starts looking at stuff. So I went over and started talking to him about it, and uh, I immediately figured out this guy's really, really bright when it came to tech. And uh, so we started talking just in general, 
And some of the stuff he told me that I can't really talk about that's coming up in, in graphic cards and stuff blew yeah. me away. And then he gave me his business card. I won't read his name, but this is his uh, job title. NVIDIA Master Inventor. <laughs> wow. Isn't that cool? Well, you haven't given his name, but but maybe they only have one, and now everyone can Google who he is. Yeah, but I didn't say his name, so I, I lived yeah. up to my end of the bargain. Some of the stuff that oh, he told me that his company is working on sounds really cool, but it's like, some of it's a couple years away still. But, yeah. you know, miniaturization of computers, I'm really excited about it, David. Look, I, I, we're both Mac users, but we're both not only Mac users. We like technology. Yeah. So let's continue to tech, talk about technology. Um, I know you want to talk about um, something I mentioned last week on the solo episode of Tech Fan. But first, yeah. let's listen to a uh, promotion for another show here on the Stoplight Network. Are you into video games? Well, check out one of the many club podcasts here on the Stoplight Network. There's Club Nintendo, Club PlayStation, Club Xbox, and Club Steam. Whether you love Mario, love Halo, love Crash Bandicoot, or just love some good old-fashioned PC gaming, make sure to check out one of the many club podcasts here on the Stoplight Network. These shows are weekly shows where we'll catch up on what we're playing, what uh, news stories are on that platform this week, and much, much more, all revolving around the wonderful world of video games. So check out Club Nintendo, Club PlayStation, Club Xbox, and Club Steam right here on the Stoplight Network. And we are back here on TechFan. Can you believe it's 193 episodes now, David? We're coming up on 200. This is still the new show. It's still the new show. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm kind of working on an idea for uh, changing the intro some. I'm not not necessarily the music, but the actual intro. I'm working on that. I was thinking of like like a robotic voice that kind of builds the tension to the show start. What do you think? All right. I even wrote a little yeah. script, and I had the Mac read it to me. I don't know. How did it sound? Initializing Tech Fan Podcasts. Set recording yeah. levels to default. Portable desktop recording computer ready. Microphones ready. <laughs> Hosts ready. Startup process complete. Begin Tech Fan Podcast in three, two, one. Okay, Something yeah, like that. Kind of, let's see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. But a robotic kind of thing going on. Sound effects underneath. <laughs> I don't know. So... um Longtime listener, Neil Wharton, he listened to us way back in the MyMac days, even. He did. Sends British a, guy, that's all I remember. Yep, he is a British guy. Yep. He, uh, we're friends on Facebook, mm-hmm. and he sent this uh, message to me on Facebook, and he requested us to ask readers about this, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, okay. Neil wrote, I got, I got the iPhone at last. Or, yeah, I got the iPhone at last. I went with the 6 rather than the 6 Plus. It's a major upgrade from my 4S. Oh, God, yes. Very pleased with it. Still can't decide whether to put a cover on it or not. I didn't cover the 4S, and it survived okay. I love the design, so it would be a shame to hide it. And I wrote, better to be safe than sorry. And he wrote, hmm, yeah. that is my conflict. Perhaps you can ask your podcast audience what they do. So there you go. We're we're asking those listening, what do you do with your iPhone? Do you like do you like it 
sans case? Do you want a case? Do you have a case on it? Uh, most people that I see, David, with an iPhone or an Android device has a case. Yeah. Most people. But the question is, do you really need a case? I mean, most of the smartphones out there nowadays, iPhone, Android, Windows, whatever, they're pretty tough. Uh, they're, they're built to survive writing in your pocket with a set of keys. You know, the, they are built yeah. to survive a, a moderate drop. But yeah, I've said before, true. the best case for my iPhone is Apple Care Plus. It's just the best case for yeah. it. Because if something does yeah. happen, it costs me 79 bucks. I get a brand new phone. Yeah. The, the only thing I'd say about that is that, is that what Apple Care Plus won't protect your phone from is um, kind of where, where scratches. Yeah, but so. I don't expect my, my, my iPhone or even my iPad, to be honest, to stay in pristine condition forever. In fact, sometimes yeah. having a little nick here and a little scratch there, eh, it doesn't bother me. It, 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 I, it's I, mine, you I know? Yeah, I appreciate what you're saying, but a lot of people don't feel like that. <laughs> uh, I know, so. but I, I, I try to get away from I need to keep everything in perfect condition. Um, yeah. You know, I, when I bought my very first brand new car, I was so paranoid. I, I would park it away from any other car in the parking lot. I would make sure that there was no push carts anywhere close to it that could roll into my car. Um, I was just paranoid. I didn't go too close to it you know, other traffic on the highway for fear of a rock getting kicked up and chipping my paint. You got to let that stuff go. You got to realize that uh, yeah, living in the world is going to be a dirty, messy place and you're not going to keep everything in pristine condition and don't give yourself a complex on trying to keep everything perfect. I, I think, I think you're right, but I also think that um, many people don't feel like that because their cell phone, their smartphone is one of the biggest purchases they make. Absolutely. You look at what, if you look at what you pay up front and then also what you're paying over a contract, you're paying thousands of dollars for these devices. So it, it does kind of sting when it, um, you know, you drop it and you put a scratch on it. I know for some people it, it, it means it's got a pattern or it's got some character and that sort of thing. But And the, the thing is, the first one's the worst. Normally, once you've got one on, a yeah. scratch or a mark or something like that, then if you get some more on it, um, you can kind of live with that. And don't get me wrong, I traveling around i see people with iphones in shocking condition not <laughs> yeah. so much the scratches but i can't believe it when i see people use i've seen people recently using phones that was so the screens were so smashed i thought they could barely see through them and yet they're still tapping away on them I, I i've seen that at, at mac specialist people with broken yeah. glass and they're holding it up to their ear and it's like geez and and yeah but the thing is that mac specialist you'd normally expect those persons to bring those phones in to be fixed <laughs> I mean, I've seen these people walking yeah. around with them, uh, and also I've seen I saw one recently where the the glass actually had bits missing. Yeah, you could see through to the guts of the phone, and they were still using it. So, not everyone's like that. But I think if you have just bought one of these, and you you know, it's it's tr finding a balance. Now I I can share what I did. Um, I had I basically I put a, a body film skin on mine, so on my iPhone six. Uh, and I put it on the back and I put it on the front. I wasn't really happy with the, the finish I got on the front. Um, so I took the one on the front off and I kind of took the view that the glass is so strong and so scratch resistant. And also I, I don't tend to put it in my pockets with other things that, that I could probably get away without having anything on the front. And this I is the iPhone the 6, yes? It's the iPhone 6. Yeah. I kept the film on the back. Um, and that was fine. But then I did uh, a few weeks ago drop the phone onto a radiator which has lots of sharp metal yeah, fins you, on it. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, 
and it took a chunk out the uh, out of the glass at the side. Now it really is very small, and and now I've kind of gotten used to it. I don't really notice it, but it did make me think that maybe I should protect the phone a little bit more. So I actually just got. In fact, I I just put it on today a uh, a new case for mine, and it's from a company called Spigen. S P I G E N. Hmm. Uh, bought it off bought it off Amazon uh, and what this is I'm trying to find the exact model but effectively what it is it's a very thin clear um, crystal clear piece of polycarbonate that just goes on the back and the sides um, and uh, it has cutouts at the bottom and uh, for, for all the for all the ports and everything and and it's it's really probably about as unobtrusive as you can get if you're going to put a case on the phone and the reason i wanted this particular one is because it is clear so you, you know i can see the design of the phone it doesn't look quite so much like it's got a case on. that was going to be my yeah. recommendation to neil yeah. is to get a clear case that you could still see the iphone that it is an iphone you could still see what it is but one of the yeah. things about the iphone 6 and the 6 plus is that curved bevel front end that feels so good in your hand. And if you put a case yeah. on it, you do lose that. And my case for that is, and I've talked about this in a couple episodes ago, is the is the uh, wooden toast uh, case that I've got on my iPhone 6 right now, which I'm about to take off, to be honest, because it's it's actually chipped on the bottom at this point, yeah. the, the case itself, the wood. So this case is coming off, and I'm going to put it in something else. Yeah. And I, I, miss, I miss the way it feels without this case on it. So... I'm happily going to put it in another case. But this toast-made case is less about protection and more about aesthetics anyways. Yeah. So let's open it up to the listeners. What do you do with your iPhone or your Android phone? Do you put it in a case? And if so, which case? If you don't mind sharing that, we'd love to know which case you're using. Because there's so many out there, David. There's just no way that any one person or even any one site could stay up to date on all the cool cases that are out there. We, you just can't. Yeah. So just for Neil's benefit and anyone else who's interested, the one I have is the Spigen IFO 6 case, Thin Fit Series Crystal Clear. Uh, and it was £8.99 on Amazon, so it was relatively inexpensive. Oh, yeah. that's Not relatively. Yeah. That is inexpensive. Um, hey. And I've used Spigen stuff before. It's pretty nice. So, actually, um, it was pretty good. So, if you want to share what you're using, uh, send us uh, feedback. It's Tim or David, either one of those, at techfampodcast.com. Or listen to the last episode where I walk you through how to send audio feedback into the show. It's, it's super simple. Just go in, yeah. and of course, that was with your iPhone. Go into your voice memo app on your iPhone, record yourself, and upload it via email to tim at techfanpodcast.com. We'll play it right here on the show. Uh, Dave, or I'm sorry, Mike Breed did that last week, um, which I got, you know, people were, uh, they seemed to really like that, David. Good. Yeah, it was fun. Yep. Um, it was good to hear from him. Absolutely. Hey, did you see that HP sold the trade the uh, Palm trademark? Yeah. So the brand is going to be resurrected. Uh, it's going to be like Polaroid. There's all sorts of weird Polaroid products you can buy nowadays that aren't anything to do with cameras because somebody sold the name. Yep. So uh, it's going to be... I, I don't know... I don't know how much. I mean, it's been so long since since Palm was a thing. I don't know how much value that trademark is really nowadays. Do you think people would be interested in something that said Palm on it anymore? I mean, for instance, I my daughter's who's who's my older daughter who's almost twenty one. She doesn't know what Palm is. If, if no, she that, goes that, to the store to buy a new phone and she sees Palm, she doesn't. There's nothing there. There's no. 
It means nothing to her. I, I mean, I'm just... I'm, they, they were acquired by Hewlett-Packard in 2010. So while that's not so long ago, I mean, they were already on the way out yep. before they were acquired. I, I would say it's probably 2006, 2007, bef- since Palm was last a thing. So, um, you know, that that's a long time for them not to be around. And in the meantime... The market they were in has transformed radically. Yeah, um, you know this is. Yeah, they, I mean they they weren't even a thing really when the iPhone came out. So, uh, I would I I would question the value of that. But who who knows? Have you ever heard of uh, El Wire? El Wire? No, I don't think El so. El Wires. It's. Um, let me explain what what it is and what I'm doing with it. I just ordered some more of it. Oh, hang on. This is the wire that lights up. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you plug it into a USB port, and you could buy them also that you could plug it into a battery pack. So it's it's you could put it in your car, I guess. But you plug it into a, a USB port, and it glows. And it's not too bright, but it's noticeable. And I've got two of these on my arcade cabinet to try to give it that little '80s neon type of look without yeah. being, you know, too obtrusive. But yeah, I've seen I've seen. Um there's been some some performers over here who've who've kind of done dance acts where they have right. have these wires kind of sewn into their costumes and then they're all programmingly light up and they perform in the dark and so they kind of combine what they're doing with shapes in the in the wire and stuff. It's it's kind of cool. And the wire itself um, is plastic. It's yeah. very flexible. And what I want to do is I want to take apart uh, an inexpensive PC um, laptop or um, a PC uh, keyboard. And I want to hot glue this inside the keyboard. And then I'm going to plug it into uh, a USB on-off switch. So literally, I'm going to create a glowing keyboard. Cool. I think that'd be pretty neat, don't you? Mm, yeah. I, I picked I've, up I've 10 seen... foot of it with the inverter and the USB plug each for like less than $2. Yeah. I've seen this stuff in Hong Kong. Um, you can get uh, charging cables that use it. So they... The cable glows while the device is charging, mm-hmm. and when the cable stops glowing, you know it's charged. Right, that's it. That's exactly what it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> it's pretty easy to use. It's very low wattage. I mean, I've got exposed wires, and I accidentally touched them, and it did nothing. Um, I think this is kind of neat stuff, though. I, I think that making a keyboard that doesn't light up light up is kind of a neat idea. But I'm trying to think of other ideas that I could do with this. I don't know. Maybe putting it in yeah. uh, speakers that would be kind of neat. I'm I'm seeing here on I'm just doing a bit of search for it. Some people use it kind of to uh, outline letters on on things. Oh, that'd be Corvette neat too. Engine here, Corvette engine here, and they basically they wired up the uh, Corvette uh, symbol in the engine block with uh, with this wire so that it glows red. It's yeah. kind of cool. And you could get it in all kinds of colors. Um, yeah. But I think for most of the applications that I'm thinking of using it for, just the plain white one is best yeah. for like the keyboard. As a as a child of the eighties, I, I, I look at this, the first thing I want to do is I want to wire it up to a frisbee so I can pretend I'm in Tron. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, that'd be cool, man. <laughs> but I mean you could use something like this in like a, a poster frame so it makes the poster yeah. kind of glow. That would be kinda neat. Um Well let's let's face it, I mean 
one of the one of the great kitsch things that we all used to like you kind of admire and you only ever saw them in restaurants and stuff was was neon signs yeah whereas with this sort of stuff creating your own neon sign no matter how complicated you wanted to do all you need is a bit of artistry in time yep um and you could make your own uh, neon effect sign with all the colors you wanted and you know complicated or you could put this around the if you got one of the desks with a pull-out drawer for your keyboard you can you know outline your drawer yeah that'd be kind of neat there's a lot of mm. use cases for this. I'm I'm very interested in it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we're both kids of the '80s, and things that kind of glowed <laughs> meant high tech. <laughs> I don't know. Oh no! Well, I when I was when I was at university, my final year thesis, we were doing. Um, I was a chemi- chemistry major, and we were we were using a thing called a mass spectrometer mm-hmm. to uh, identify cables. Yep. Uh, to identify chemicals. Um, and basically what you do is you, you put stuff into the mass spectrometer in the vacuum and accelerate it with a magnetic field down this tube. And the flight, the time for the, the ions to fly down the tube tells you how big they are. Um, so you can analyze chemicals. That. And to, to, to create the ions, we used a big uh, organic uh, dye laser, which was a really amazing kind of thing. Uh, it made them... A, a, a tremendous noise and you had to kind of warm it up and pump it up and and when it but once it started going it had these big uh, kind of vats of dye inside it all of these colors that are very similar to this and those would start flashing as the laser lights start coming out and you had to have special goggles on to stop your eyes being blown out and everything it was really a kind of a cool sort of thing um and uh, and this very much reminds me of all of that stuff and lasers as well. They're kind of a you know for a child of the '80s doing anything with lasers. Lasers were the cutting edge, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was just reading an article actually before we started recording. Um, I think it was two or three Delta flights are getting hit by lasers at at LAX the last couple of days. So someone's yeah, messing it's, around. It's a crazy. I mean, the, you can if you go on the internet, you can buy um, laser pointers of ridiculous power. Yep. Uh, for for you know for relatively small amounts of money and uh, Sam yeah, Levin can... gave me a handheld laser device a green laser which I think are um, illegal for the most part and uh, I was only in... if it's over if it's over five milliwatts which I, is the kind of yeah. power you normally get in a point laser pointer that you use like in a presentation or something then those are not are normally illegal yeah. okay this one was illegal then because with two AA batteries in it. Uh, I was hitting a building about a mile and a half away and you could see the laser about the size yeah. of my fist at that distance. Oh yeah. It, uh, so when I was at, when I was at university, um, I, I, I was living in a, a residential hall and, uh, one of the guys who lived about three doors down from me, he was a physics major there. And this is, this is kind of, um, 19, oh, what, we, what am I going to say? 1988, 89, something like that. So he took a big kind of uh, physics laser out of the laser lab and, and uh, took it to his his dormitory room. Big red thing it was. Yeah, it was about it was probably about uh, about a foot foot and a half long. And he, he he plugged it in in his in his room on the third floor and started pointing it out of the window and shining it at the pub that was across the uh, field. It was probably <laughs> probably about half a mile away. Yeah. We went in there later on that night, and the uh, the of course the landlord knew us all very well as students, and he said, "Which one of you idiots has been shining that blessed red light at us?" And apparently, <laughs> when it was hitting their windows, it was like a red spotlight coming in through the windows. Yep. And uh, obviously, their uh, their clientele weren't very happy to have this uh, 
bright red light flooding in through the window. Of course, as a child of the 80s, we all loved uh, Real Genius, where they, you know, yeah. turn on that super laser. And that's what we really want, isn't it, David? We all want freaking lasers. Give us laser computer. Give us laser microcomputers. That's what we really want. Yeah, that's what we want, yeah. So anything else going on with you, David, before we wrap up the show? I well, mean, I just wanted, I, there was something that, that kind of did jump out to me and it, and it was, it was uh, related to something you were talking about last week. You were talking about that, um, that, uh, game you were playing, uh, the EA game that had in-app purchases. Yeah. One of those it, ones- I'm still playing it too. It's, uh, yeah. it's called SimCity build it. You, you basically, yeah. you build this little city. There's no fighting people. There's nothing like that. Uh, yeah. you, you build your stuff and you, you, uh, create plastic and wood and and steel and with that you build hammers and with the hammers you can build chairs and that's what you use to upgrade buildings and you get more people living there and it's a whole thing so uh, i mean you were you you mentioned uh oh if david was here he'd be ranting about uh because it's ea well no because Because it's it's ea you hate ea because it's ea yeah but they particularly are egregious and and you're right absolutely i would i'm not going to go there now but you're right i would have done i hate particularly hate timers that block you playing unless you pay to make them go away i hate that and that's not really what this is i mean there's timers but it's timers that make sense because it's your factory and it's making the plastic and it's going to take this long to make the plastic at the end of the day that's not why they've made it like that they've made it like that to try and encourage you to maybe pay your way to speed things up yes but at no Um, point in this game so far does it ever come up and say hey you could speed this up by spending this yeah, not not enough. once, not once. So they've been fair, really fair good enough. about that. I think maybe they have listened to some of the ferocious uh, criticisms that they've gotten online about some of this deceptive practices that they've used to try to get people to buy more stuff from them and these in-app purchases, yeah. and they've acted accordingly. So, but the counterpoint to that is a lot of people will, will and I've probably said it myself, isn't it? Um, a lot of people will say that free to play and, and in-app purchase and freemium and that sort of thing is, is just basically a money grab and we all hate it and we'd rather buy our games. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was an interesting thing this week. The developers of Monument Valley, which was one of the biggest games on iOS in the last year. It's a kind of a 3D isometric puzzle game. Very atmospheric, lovely, beautiful graphics. Um, really um, an experience as much as a game. And it was a pretty big seller. Um, was won loads of awards, was promoted very heavily on the App Store and everything, uh, and at the moment selling for four dollars. Um, they uh, they pointed out that um, on Android, only five percent of the installs that they um, they get have been paid for, um, and on iOS, for only forty percent of the uh, of the installs have been paid for. So um, that basically means that they can see whether people are, are pirating the game or not. Yeah. And um, even on iOS, which is considered to be the, the you know, the, the gold standard in terms of paid for games and people being willing to pay for games, uh, only 40% of the installs are paid for. Now there have been some giveaways and they also said that, um, they also said that uh, the, um, some of the, some of the installs they're seeing will be people who bought the game once and then installed it on multiple devices. So that 40% is not a hard figure. But nevertheless, it's not anywhere near like as big as you would imagine. Uh, and, uh, you know, they now they say they're still making enough money off it, but you, that's one of the reasons why we have freemium and free-to-play is because basically there's very little money in, um, in pay-for software on smartphones. 
Yeah, I don't know. And certainly, certainly on Android, there's very there's little, there's virtually nothing in terms of paying up front to buy a game. I I, I mean there was a, there was another post by Panic who make um, utility. I software. read that one. Yeah, and uh, they said they they made Transmit, which is a um, file application FTP application for iOS, which I bought, and it was it was expensive as iOS get, uh, apps go. It wasn't hugely expensive compared to a Mac app. Um, and they said that they barely make enough money to keep going on iOS development, but which is pretty, it, pretty depressing, really. <laughs> it's not because who the hell you may and I may, but. 99.9% of people using iOS device, be it iPad or iPhone, need a freaking FTP client on it. It's it's ridiculous. Nobody nobody was asking for an FTP client. And and so yeah, they, so they to make, expect to make, make more money well. or even coming close to making the money that they would with a Mac FTP client, which people do need, is just disingenuous on their part. I mean, and here's the other aspect. They release these things into the void. They spend no money on marketing, no money on advertising, and they go, oh, it's not selling. Oh, we can't make no money. Yeah, we, like any other industry, you have to advertise your products. You have to market your products. You have to let people know that it's available. You can't just rely on your own social media and a couple of your buddies in the tech press that might mention it. You have to actually yeah. put some effort the same amount of effort into marketing your product as you do making your product. Maybe not the same amount, but you, you can't just release it into the void and go, see, we didn't make any money. That's disingenuous. Well, yeah. And I, I don't, I, they never take that into account when that you, you read and hear about companies that bitch that they're not making any money with iOS. Go look for one advertisement about that product anywhere on the internet. You won't find it. And then you go, well, no one knew about it. Of course, they're not going to find it. Yeah, well, I, I've got to look. This, this, that's a, a probably a larger conversation. I think in Panic's case, they are uh, they're a, a historically a Mac developer, and right. I think they I think they they were relying on the community effect to sell their app, and clearly that doesn't work. No, uh, the sort of scale they're looking for. And you're absolutely right; they need to promote it more, um, and perhaps look at whether you know what what the real market for that app is i think you make a fair comment saying that a lot of people don't want an ftp app for for ios having said that i think um something that that still and we've talked about this before still desperately needs sorting out is is the way the i the app store is organized oh i agree but but some of that can no you can't but some of that can be rectified by developers and companies by advertising by promotion, yeah. by uh, getting the word out that the product even exists. Because if you're not doing that, and it can't just be, hey, we put up a banner ad at Macworld. Well, why yeah. didn't it sell? Well, you, you got to be smarter about it. Now, imagine yeah, I, I imagine a company like Panic talking about you know their iOS FTP program. They advertise right here on TechFan. Would that increase yeah. sales? I don't know. Probably, I can guarantee you it would, it would net more sales than doing nothing, which is what most of these yeah. companies do. And then they complain, oh, we're not making any money. Well, advertise. Stop complaining and do something about it. Don't blame. See, this is what I take after when I, when I read these articles. What they're really doing, David, is they're blaming the customers. That's who they're blaming. We made this. You guys ain't buying it. There ain't no money in doing it. Well, I'm not going to do it no more because you guys don't buy it. Don't blame your customers for not buying your product. Blame yourself. Blame yourself that you did not promote this correctly. 
Yeah. If you do promote it and then it doesn't work, then you could complain. But otherwise, shut up until you do that. And I think, I think to be fair, going back to the developers of Monument Valley, I mean, that, that's showing this high piracy rate. And they actually said, well, we, t- we, we take the view that most of the people who pirated it wouldn't have bought it anyway. So they were kind of not – they weren't up in arms about the fact that probably 50% of their user base uh, pirated their software. They basically said, well, those weren't our customers anyway. So that's kind of uh, an interesting approach. And it kind most, of what most iOS users don't pirate software. Well, no, it's I. I wouldn't imagine so. It's kind of hard to do. Exactly. Um, That's exactly yeah. my point. So yeah, yeah I, these kind of studies just and and blog posts really do piss me off because they haven't done their job yeah. to sell so the if, product. If you're, if you're an iOS developer and you don't want to piss him off and you've done a lousy job uh, promoting your app, uh, we're always available for advertising sponsorship opportunities on the show. <laughs> yeah, just reach out, Tim or David, at techfanpodcast.com. We'll help very, you get the word reason- out. Very reasonable rate. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, we've never really gone out of our way to, to find companies to advertise on the show. In fact, we've spent pretty much nothing doing that. Um, yeah. Eventually, maybe that, we, we have- will, but... We have talked about iOS and, and other apps that we've used on the show before. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's not like we, we don't ever promote anything. That if we think it's good, we just don't get paid for it. So, <laughs> and, and to be honest, David, if a company did come to us and they had crapware and they wanted to advertise, I wouldn't do it. No, absolutely I mean, not. You know, so if we do spots or something, it's going to be something that we think is pretty cool. But anyways, we should probably wrap up the show before I get more angry at companies that complain about how much they sell when they do nothing to promote sales. Um, you, need, you need to go up go up and let the uh, family out the attic now. Yeah, absolutely. Before they uh, to start attacking Julie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, love to hear from you. Uh, again, Neil is very curious on what you guys do with your iOS and Android devices. Do you put it in a case? If so, which case? Let us know. Tim or David at techfanpodcast.com. Owen, of course, was uh, not here this week. He was in uh, San Francisco. Hopefully we'll get Owen back next week. It's been a while since Owen's been on the show at this point, David. It's starting to... Yeah, I st- think he's on a, is he on a cruise ship this uh, No, this I don't think so. He's in San Francisco, he said. So uh, we'll be back in a week, and uh, I'll talk to you then, David. Speak to you then.